You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Today is Tuesday, June 7th. We're talking Reds baseball and talking Reds baseball today with Chris Wells. She is uh, pinch hitting for Mark Sheldon on this Tuesday. And Chris is the analyst at uh, Fox Sports Net Ohio. Chris, we can't thank you enough for uh, coming on board today uh, to talk Reds baseball. And of course, Chris, you know, it's no secret the Reds are having a very difficult 2016. But uh, I got to think that last week was their maybe their high point of the season or at least their high point in the last two months. They took five of seven games. From the Rockies in Colorado, three out of four. And then they nearly swept the Nationals if a ninth inning comeback on Sunday did not fall just short. It's only one week and it's only a, a seven-game sample, but I got to think that for all the difficulties this Reds team has been through at one point losing 12 out of 13, to just have a week and have a stretch where there was not constant negativity had to do this team a world of good. Well, I, I, I think you're right on the button there, Matt. I can tell you that, you know, this is a rebuilding year for the Reds, and the fans know that, and the Reds have reached out to their fans and asked them to be patient during this whole rebuilding area, be rebuilding year or years. Uh, but if you're a player on the team, you don't want to hear that. I mean, you're in the big leagues, maybe for the first time, maybe you're just hanging on, or maybe you're on a multi-year contract. You don't want to go out there and lose on a nightly basis, especially – get embarrassed uh, by giving up leads late in the ball game or getting blown out. So the, the reversal began when the Reds really uh, went through uh, Milwaukee and then played very good baseball in Denver against the Rockies and came back, and they took that momentum right against the Washington Nationals, who were atop the division when they saw them. And uh, it was kind of interesting because there were a lot of emotions going on with Dusty Baker coming back to Cincinnati, the Nationals bringing in, you know, Dia Gonzalez and, and Steven Strasburg in the first couple of starts, and the Reds ran both of them out of there. So it was very interesting the way the Reds have been able to finally put some things together and feel good about themselves as a team, which if you've ever played athletics, that's what you want. In a team sport, you want the whole team to feel good. Yeah, you brought up a good point that, you know, it's one thing for the team to convey a message to the fan base and say, you know, look, we're going to have our bumps on the road. Be patient. This is a process. But like you said, it's a much different emotional state with the players themselves, you know, how have, uh, you know, in your dealings with the veterans on this team, the Brandon Phillipses and the Jay Vottles and the, I'm sorry, Joey Vottles and Jay Bruce's, how much, how trying has it been for these guys who have had success and have a track record of success, not just from a team standpoint, but individually too, to kind of keep their heads up and, and display for the younger guys, you know, what it means to be a professional, even when things aren't going well. Well, that's the key word, being a professional. But at the same time, you're thinking, hey, these guys like Votto and Bruce and Phillips and Cozart, I mean, just a few years ago, they were in the playoffs three out of the last five years. So you know, you're wondering, well, what the heck happened? And how are they going to handle the team that is supposedly going to lose 90 to 100 games this year? But they've been very professional. And you try to lead in your clubhouse. You try to lead on the bench and, and of course, lead in the field as well. Uh, but they like things when they get turned around, obviously. The main problems the Reds have had this year have been related to their pitching, especially their relief pitching. And, you know, if they start getting better starting pitching and they don't have to go to the bullpen as early, uh, the offense is coming around a little bit. Votto is hitting the ball much better now than he did in the beginning of the year when he was hovering around the 200 mark. And I think that that can be 
Oh, uh, you know, everybody kind of wants to get into the act uh, when that happens, and I think that's where they are right now. But, you know, these veteran players aren't going to give up. They know that they've got more than one responsibility. They've got a responsibility to themselves, to the fans, to their teammates, and you try to go out and give your best every day no matter. And, Chris, I want to backtrack just a little bit. You brought up uh, this past weekend not only the Nationals in town with all their star-studded power in the lineup and on the pitching staff, but that meant the return of Dusty Baker as well. Uh, Dusty with the Reds for six uh, successful seasons, three of those years, took them to the postseason. How was Dusty greeted by the fan base at uh, Great American Ballpark, and how did Dusty feel himself upon returning to his old stomping grounds? Well, Dusty felt probably, let me cover that for he, he was happy to come back here, number one. I think Dusty felt like he was maybe somewhat misunderstood uh, as a res manager, uh, that maybe underappreciated would be a better term, because Dusty you know, did lead them to the playoffs. Uh, it had been a long drought since the Reds had been there, and Dusty was at the helm when they went back. And uh, I think because they didn't get any deeper in the playoffs than they did was the reason why Dusty was let go. So he looks at the Reds now as compared to when he was here and says, see, maybe he wasn't the manager after all. He didn't voice those things, and, and but you can kind of tell by talking to Dusty. That's probably where he was coming from. The fans like Dusty here. Um, you know, they appreciated what he did here. He was always a very fan-friendly. Uh, he was a guy that uh, was always got the most out of his players. Uh, so I think that his trip back to Cincinnati, other than the two losses and the mere sweep that the Nationals had here at Great American Ballpark, uh, was very nice. And why was it that, uh, you know, Dusty was underappreciated at times during his six-year tenure? I know you brought up the main reason was that I think the expectations from the fan base that, okay, the postseason's great, we want more, we want a pennant, we want a world championship. Was it merely that, or were there other factors involved? I think that was probably only the fact they didn't get deep into the playoffs. Two of the playoff appearances of the three that they had were one-game playoffs that they had to play in, in Pittsburgh against the Pirates. Uh, uh, so that was one bad thing there. The other part of it was that when they finally did make the next round in the playoffs, they went out to San Francisco. They won their first two games, and they just needed one more win. San Francisco came in here, and the Giants swept the Reds three straight uh, before going on to win the World Series. So that was something that really left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Uh, you know, you start second-guessing the manager. You, you start uh, cutting across cutting and slicing every game pitch by pitch of what the manager did wrong as far as substitutions and so on. So I think that that's part of the, the problem that, that the Reds have fans have with Dusty is that they never was able to get them over the hump. Their expectations may have exceeded the ability of the ball club. You don't really know. But at the same time, you can't tell fans that. Once you get into the postseason, they want to go all the way. No question there, and it's a very exclusive club uh, when you hit the postseason every October, and unfortunately for Dusty and the Reds that year, they ran into the Giants on an even-numbered year, and we know what they've done in even-numbered years, 2010, 2012, 2014, and they're right in the thick of it again here in 2016. Long way to go, but they certainly have the track record uh, to the Giants, so we'll see what happens there. Getting back on track, talking Reds here with uh, Chris Welsh. He is uh, filling in this week for Mark Sheldon, and Chris, obviously, no shame in taking uh, two out of three games from a first-place Washington team, but it still stings a little bit to think how close they were to sweeping that series. They were up 5 nothing as early as the second or third inning that game, only to watch uh, John Moscott give it away in the fourth. And we've heard rumblings the last uh, couple days that Moscott could be the odd man out once Anthony DiSclefani gets back to action, which could happen on Friday. And as we talked about before we hit the air here, uh, Moscott is indeed the odd man out. Give us an update on that. 
Well, he has. He's been sent down to the minor leagues. There is made room on their roster. They brought up Steve Selsky, uh, an outfielder, to take the spot on the roster. So uh, that's where they're going right now. i got to tell you that there's room at the end in the Reds rotation right now. If you're a healthy arm down in AAA, there's no better place in baseball to show your stuff off than in the Reds organization because right now they're still waiting for some of their mainstays to get healthy. Homer Bailey still on the disabled list, recovering from Tommy John surgery. Probably won't be ready until sometime in July. Anthony DiScofani uh, has had an abdominal problem since spring training uh, in mid-March, and uh, they expected him to be back a long time ago. He's getting closer and closer. Uh, Rysele Iglesias, the opening day starter, uh, is on the disabled list with a shoulder injury that sidelined him for a while now. And we read recently and talked to the people in the organization that tell me that uh, when he does come back, he'll be coming back as a reliever. Um, the same for Michael Lorenzen, who was projected to be a starter in the rotation. Uh, he'll be coming back probably as a reliever when he comes back. So, you know, there, there are a lot of opportunities here for guys like John Lamb, who's pitching tonight against the Cardinals and Mike Lee for Brandon Finnegan and so on. So uh, Dan Straley has thrown the ball very well. So if, you, if you've got an opportunity, it's time to take advantage of it. Unfortunately for John Moscott, uh, that didn't work out for him. But he's a good young pitcher, and I think he'll be back at some point. Yeah, he really struggled uh, on Sunday against the Nationals, and unfortunately for him, that was his last chance. So he's down in AAA, uh, returning soon, as you said, Anthony DiSclafani. And, uh, Chris, you brought up, too, that uh, both Rysel Iglesias – and uh, I'm drawing a blank here. One, uh, Michael Lorenzen, when they Michael go Lorenzen. back to the Reds, they're both going to be in the bullpen. What is the rationale there? Because I know, as you said, they do have some arms in the rotation that are throwing well right now, in particular uh, John Lamb and Dan Straley. But to have both these guys uh, placed in the bullpen, what, what is the Reds' strategy here? I think it's all about protection of the arm, to be honest with you, Matt, and, and there's no other reason for it. Uh, Rysel Iglesias, when he's healthy, he's shown himself to be a brilliant young pitcher. Uh, really a special young man with a lot of strikeouts, good control, lots of different pitches. Uh, he reminded me of a little bit of, uh, of a young Pedro Martinez. Uh, and, and, and Michael Lorenzen is a young man who played uh, outfield uh, for Cal State Fullerton before he was the number one pick for the Reds. Uh, they bring him in to close games. He throw 100 miles an hour. And they, what they saw with Lorenzen is the more he pitched, that velocity began to go down a little bit. And I think that they may, they may think that his stuff matches up better in the bullpen. And, of course, the Reds, after trading a, a role to Chapman last year, are still looking for somebody to be that ninth-inning pitcher. And it's been a rotation of a lot of different guys who uh, will pitch in ninth innings so far this year. So there are some opportunities here, but I think they're just mainly going to try to protect those good young arms in Iglesias and Lorenzen uh, just because they don't want to mount the innings and put some stress on either the shoulder or the elbow. Yeah, unfortunately, J.J. Uh, Hoover was not the answer to Aroldis Chapman in 2016. Uh, he has been sent, sent down uh, to the minor leagues, and you brought up a good point that both Iglesias and Lorenzen have electric arms, a lot of mileage uh, left in those young arms, so maybe one of those two could be a ninth-inning solution for this team at the back end of that bullpen. Chris, in the final uh, little bit we have here, the MLB draft takes place on Thursday lasting through the weekend, and the Reds in a good spot. They'll have all but one of the top amateur talent available to them at the number two pick in the draft behind only the Phillies. What are you hearing about who the uh, Reds could draft with that number two selection? Well, I can tell you that the, all ball clubs are very close to the best about who they're going to draft, but they've all, all also have had conversations with those high-round draft picks already, finding out how much is it going to cost to sign you. Now, pre-draft deals are not legal, but you know, it doesn't mean that there aren't conversations going on. So 
you know, the, the one guy in the draft that I think everybody's looked at is A.J. Puck, the left-handed pitcher, 6'7", out of Florida. Uh, if the Phillies don't draft him, there's a good chance the Reds may take him. But the Phillies evidently are on him pretty hard. Um, Jason Groom is a left-handed uh, pitcher out of – he's a high school pitcher out of New Jersey, uh, 6'6", very hard thrower. They say he may have the highest ceiling of anybody in the draft. Reds are certainly on him. They're also on another high schooler named Riley Pint uh, from Kansas. He's a six foot four right-hander who throws hard. If you're talking about uh, position players, the three names that I keep hearing coming up about the Reds are Kyle Lewis, who's a right-handed hitting power hitter from Mercer University, uh, hit a lot of home runs this year. He's a big, tall guy, 64 inches tall, and hits him a mile. Uh, Nick Senzel is a very interesting name. He's a right-handed hitting third baseman from the University of Tennessee. Uh, he's a Scott Boris agent. I don't think that scares the Reds off. But there are a lot of people that think Sensel is very close to Major League ready as they come in the draft as far as hitters go. And if you're looking for somebody local here for the Reds, uh, there is a player down at the University of Louisville, which is only 90 minutes from Cincinnati, Corey Ray, a left-handed hitting outfielder down there. He's a combination of power and speed. He's got a lot of stolen bases. He's got a nice arm in the outfield. Those are among the players that the Reds have to choose from. But, of course, when you're choosing second, you have to figure out who the Phillies are going to take first, and then you've got the, those next five or six players to choose from from then on. And it'll be interesting to see who the Reds have because this is the highest draft pick the Reds have had in a long, long time. And there are a lot of people around this ball club that are simply saying the Reds cannot miss on this one. Absolutely agree with that. And that's a good place to wrap this one up as the MLB draft takes place on Thursday. The Cincinnati Reds selecting number two. But Chris Welsh is number one in our book. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for filling in this week. Hopefully we'll do it again at some point in the near future. In the meantime, it's Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Cincinnati Reds. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.